Hi everyone, um, welcome to a, 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 a podcast that we've created as part of our real estate special situations uh, group. Uh, we're focusing today on the impact of the current market conditions and, um, and areas where we may be able to support and assist our clients. It's said that economists have predicted nine out of the last five recessions, so you may wonder what a bunch of lawyers can add to the debate. We hope we can provide some insight from our clients based on what we're seeing from our perspective of the market. So I'm joined today, um, and I, I'm Ben Jones, a partner in the Restructuring and Special Situations team based in London, joined by three colleagues, um, Michaela Sopp, who is a banking partner and head of financial markets group in Germany, Mark Waghorn, a banking partner and leader of the UK real estate finance practice. Um, both Michaela and Mark are, are, are originators. And I'm also joined by Sandra Esquiva-Hesse, who is a restructuring partner like me in Paris, and uh, we thought that the mixture of loan originators, the sort of the good side, and uh, loan restructurers slash enforcers, i.e. Sandra and I, would be able to provide a useful and interesting uh, debate and balance to the discussion. Um, so, um, welcome all. Um, Michaela, Mark, um, we're talking down the sector in, in the restructuring market at the moment, particularly the real estate sector. Um, but from when I walk around the office, I see a lot of your associates busy into the night working on deals. Um, is there any distress around or is it just a case of wishful thinking on the part of uh, restructuring and, and insolvency lawyers? I'll pick up on that, Ben. Thank you. Um, I think you probably have some reason to be rubbing your hands. There's definitely uh, some stresses and strains in the real estate market, as, as we've all seen. And I think um, we are in that perfect storm territory where a number of things have come together that are causing uh, challenges. And I think that the lead one is interest rates, which have dramatically shifted during the course of the year. Uh, and that feeds through, obviously, to all sorts of issues in terms of financing property, but also has a direct impact on on values as well, uh, particularly when you combine it with, and I'm going to run through a very depressing short list, uh, or not so short list perhaps, of other, other factors. We've got inflation in the mix. We've got um, all sorts of pressures on consumer spending that are flowing from that. And ultimately, real estate uh, is is based on rental income, which is based on the money that the businesses underneath uh, the, the structures are making. And uh, quite a lot of that will be hit by present economic difficulties for, for consumers and, and, and others. Then you throw in supply chain issues, um, which impact not just construction, but particularly construction, but also just the operation costs of any business and, and real estate is not an exception. In the UK, we've got business rate challenges. Uh, globally, there's the pressure around ESG, uh, which has capex consequences, which is all about spending money on property. Um, and then you look at the investors and options that they have and where real estate sits in the mix of, in, of asset classes. And clearly it moves slowly and therefore yields have to shift or other investments will look more attractive. And we're seeing some of that in terms of um, where money is being applied. Uh, so there are predictions out there that there needs to be a very serious adjustment and it's happening uh, in terms of numbers. Uh, uh, the, the guesswork is how much values have to shift and what consequences that will have and how quickly. So there you go. That's a depressing start, isn't it? Uh, Michaela, I don't know, and, and Sandra, I don't know whether France and Germany are looking at this differently and you may have some local factors in the mix as well. 
Yeah, if I if I may add to that, then I think generally speaking, obviously the the economical factors Mark were mentioning, like inflation, interest rates, they they are all the the, the same. So therefore, they apply to the German market clearly as well. Um, on the other hand, um, I think we 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 see, and that's what we saw as well in the um <clears throat> in in previous years, sort of a mixture, which is that um they are still. Um, deals out there and deals um, be done, um, but it requires sort of really strong players out there in the market. And those who have always been highly leveraged, they will probably become under distress given those factors um, quicker than than um, anyone else. And the other thing is probably that this needs to be um, also seen as an, let's say, opportunity for correcting a potentially overheated pricing market. So the sell side um, and the buy side probably need to fight some fights on what the <laughs> what the true purchase price and then the value at the end of the day is taking into account those stress factors. And um, uh, this this will take some time, but. Um, we are we are confident, given that real estate is such is always a strong asset that this will will make its way to the market. Hi, as far as France is concerned, it's pretty much the same. Although uh, we we started a bit later, a recent article in the French Economic Press stated that there had been a thirty percent rise of commercial real estate transaction in France. But now clearly uh, we're seeing the origination investment side slowing down. Maybe we started a bit later. Uh, we are suffering from the same factor. And I totally agree with uh, Michele's view that it's also a land of opportunity because as values are going to need to correct and money is costing more, uh, there would be some choices to be made. And maybe we'll see as, as well some assets in the market that we didn't used to see because so many people were competing to have them. So uh, we need to keep a positive upbeat and look for uh, the opportunities for our clients as well. And are, are there any particular subsectors? I mean, we, we've obviously, um, as, as restructuring experts, been involved in retail situations, um, I think throughout Europe and probably the world for the last few years. But there have been hot, hot subsectors such as logistics. Do you do you see any particular areas such as hospitality that are going to go uh, suffer distress more than other areas? Or do you think that we might see some of the previous sort of areas where there's been a lot of investment being affected by, um, you know, the repricing in the market more than others. It's interesting, isn't it? In a way, to reflect Sandra's comment, um, you know, real estate has tended to be cyclical. I think we've had a very long um, bull run and, and obviously perhaps we're having a quicker, a more painful adjustment as a result. But if you look at pandemic, a couple of the sectors that were hit particularly badly were were hospitality and, and and retail was already in trouble but pandemic didn't help and ironically those are already recovery sectors <laughs> uh, because they've sort of had the price adjustment i guess and um you know hotel occupancy in the uk for example is back at near peak levels uh, i'm not sure revenue is quite matching that but that's adjusting and indeed here's the irony the um the inflation figures uh, from the Office of, Office of National Statistics this morning, one of the factors that's pushing inflation up is the cost of hotel uh, occupancy for those who are lucky enough to stay in hotels. So these things are all all, all connected. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think on the downside, uh, ironically, within hospitality, I think pubs are being flagged uh, to struggle, uh, and that comes back to the consumer spending point, I suppose, and all of the costs that are hitting them from an inflationary perspective. And then you're left looking at things like logistics, which seem to have peaked, and um, you know the question over the future of the office is still being asked um, with changing working patterns. So. Yeah, I think various subsectors will react differently, are reacting differently, and are probably at a different stage in the cycle. Mikala, is there any, any or, or Sandra, anything particular to add from, from your jurisdictions? Sure. In terms of hospitality, you know, if you already have the financing for your CapEx good, but, you know, it's cost-cutting time, maybe. Very much so, not only for individuals, but uh, for corporates as well. And it's not the right timing to go out uh, and uh, put together financing. I mean, depending who you go to, uh, if you can get quasi-equity or um, equity, that's fine. But everybody's a bit scared about what's coming up in terms of uh, pricing on the debt side. So it's a lot of uh, people scrambling around how they are going to manage their business plan. You know, it's coming at the end this year. They are all you know, changing their figures, their options and hypotheses. And so we get a lot of calls about worried people asking us, uh, you know, uh, to what we think about the hypothesis they retain. But nobody knows. Uh, we don't know how long this is going to last how we're going to come out of it. Is it going to be a, a, sh a sharp stick? Is it going to be a long recovery? This is a tough correction, as Mark was saying. So anybody with a crystal ball is welcome because we're not making any pronos pronostic anymore after a pandemic crisis, a uh, war. Um, it's very uh, difficult to uh, have some vision. Yeah, I think I can only echo that. I think construction and any investments are under scrutiny from every angle, from the investment side as such, from the financing side um, as well. Um, I think probably not really sector related, but those who have a high leverage or went in very aggressively would come under quicker um, problems, let's say, than than others um, as, a, as a more general um, <clears throat> working pattern let's put it that way <laughs> so so we, we we've talked about um you know areas with particular distress what the causes of distress are and i think we all agree that unless all of one of us is hiding on a sitting on a crystal ball actually it's very very difficult to predict what the recovery what time frame we're looking at the recovery and also whether it will be you know for instance um predictions of recession in the uk whether it be a shallow recession whether it be a long recession etc um, Sandra, question for you. Uh, why should, are there any reasons to be cheerful? Always. <laughs> <laughs> In each challenge, there's always an opportunity. It depends uh, on the liquidity you have. And there are some people who have a lot of liquidities right now. So that's why they're waiting. They're waiting to see a little bit more uh, correction in the values to uh, wait and uh, do their shopping. I can understand that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, for those who can uh, forecast uh, some uh, uh, capital injection need, especially because the ratio, the debt to equity to um, 
you know, all of this operation is going to drastically change, uh, it's the right time to uh, find the right partners and, uh, you know, uh, raise capital and maybe uh, make new uh, strategic alliances. So, uh, you know, we need to be proactive and not fearful with the challenges. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can I can only echo that. To be to be honest, I think that's exactly the the, the point. There is always um, an opportunity when when there are challenges out there, and I think a major factor is that um, property as such is always something you you need. It's not something you may need. It's at the end of the day um, you need it, and you increasingly need it for all sorts of reasons. Also, from a social perspective. So I think there's there's the opportunity to to catch um, let's say strategic opportunities on the property side, but also for strategic partnerships and and also for maybe sort of a healthy adjustment adjustments to to something which was maybe too overheated. So um, if we use it smartly, then I think um, it actually could be um, a good opportunity now. There are always, there are always going to be winners and, and losers, aren't there? And, and certainly there's a wall of money out there. Uh, again, some of it prompted by pandemic, waiting for the fallout from that. Um, different sort of cause now triggering a change in the market. But it, it will mean that there is opportunity for, for buyers once, uh, as Michaela was saying, sellers adjust their expectations or, of course, are forced to do that um, where they're told they need to sell or they've got liquidity issues like we've seen with the insurance companies um, where where they need to to offload assets to to, to get into cash I, I mean I suppose the other thing is it's a it's a creative resilient sector um, as Michaela says uh, one of the reasons I like financing properties is it doesn't tend to go anywhere um, <clears throat> it's there it, 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 it sticks around and it, its use is, is is always required it just needs to adapt and change uh, and some of these sort of shocks to the system can be quite exciting times in terms of seeing how the market reacts, what the response is, um, and, and where the creativity comes in to, um, uh, to, to to respond to all of the challenges that we've been we've been talking about. So yeah, you know, I think, uh, and from our perspective, and I think the market's perspective, what's important is that activity continues, um, and uh, one hopes that uh, there will be buyers and sellers, uh, and there will be lenders albeit with a very adjusted uh, expectation on on the financing um, reflecting the change in in the underlying assets as well and i think i think one one other element to to throw into the mix and and i don't know if this is really a, a reason to be cheerful but it's certainly a you know it, it, looking back at the you know the the global financial crisis um when we were looking at particularly european situations there were from an anglo perspective challenges with the limitations on um, in certain, certain jurisdictions around enforcing real estate compared to the relative flexibility of the UK's regime, which is, you know, typically regarded as creditor friendly. And we have concepts such as receivership, um, whereas, uh, you know, at the time it was a little bit more challenging, more time consuming and court involved. And I think, um, you know, what one area where we are in a better position is that um, without getting too, 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 too nerdy on an insolvency perspective is is a lot of jurisdictions have now implemented the European restructuring directive and we do have you know it's it's these are relatively untested but um there's a heck of a lot of flexibility that can be introduced I mean we've seen sort of equivalent compromises such as CVAs being used over the last decade to to sort out retail um and, and, and a few examples of restructuring plans which are more akin to the kind of 
regimes that have been introduced throughout Europe to deal with more complicated operating businesses with real estate. Uh, Sandra, do you, do you think, um, I, I know um, French construction lawyers are, are very creative, do you, do you think that we'll see a, 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 an increase in these kind of tools being used um, oh, in certain sectors? Oh, definitely. We're already talking about it and uh, putting our mind together as to how we're going to use these new tools because uh, for some of uh, their frameworks, uh, we don't have a precedent. So it's yet again a land of opportunity, especially on the debtor side. But, uh, you know, you can also restructure ahead of time before coming to that point. And, um, you know, for those who are uh, finding themselves in, you know, difficult spots, uh, there's one saying among the RESS community that we have is that, you know, if you want to stop to lose, assess your risk, uh, face it and stop playing. <laughs> Just address it. You can't delay it. And the more you delay, the more you're losing. So. Um, this is something that we're doing right now, you know, supporting clients to assess the, the risk and uh, uh, see what we can do, uh, the steps we can take, uh, rather than going into uh, an insolvency or recovery proceeding that they're probably going to start for some of them, mostly in 2023, 2024. There's a number of things that we can do more proactively before that and more successfully to preserve value. Now, given that long... That long run of positive uh, markets, there's actually a lot of people in the sector who haven't had the experience of a downturn, some quite senior people as well. So I think uh, creative advice and and clever structures and solutions are going to come to the fore and, and, and hopefully we'll collectively be able to uh, assist our clients on uh, meeting some of those challenges. Yeah, but I think the most important point really is, as Sandra mentioned, um, it's not always that you have to go for insolvency and everything explodes and is gone. I mean, as long as you address the issues early, in most cases, there is sort of a consensual value preserving possibility where people only have maybe to take minor hits and no explosion, <laughs> let's put it that way. But that means transparency, early stage discussions and um, using all the tools um, at, at hand, but primarily transparency and openness also towards um, the lenders, because that's what they appreciate most, I think, in those instances. And that all the crisis I have been through, we have been through, have shown this. If you try to hide, then then this at the end of the day is the worst you can do. So as Sandra said, let's be proactive and um and weather the storm. <laughs> well, I think that's a, a nice a nice note to end this podcast on. Um, well, f- thanks ever so much to Michaela, Sandra, Mark, and and I'm Ben Jones. Um, if you do have any queries or questions, please get in touch with. Uh, any of us or any of the usual Simmons contacts. And uh, thank you ever so much for listening.